Let's dive into our Easter message today. And again, anybody joining us online, we just uh, wish you a happy Easter. And like we've said for probably, I don't know, hundreds of years, what is the typical refrain in church? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Some of you guys are new to that, but that's a common refrain on Easter. He is risen indeed. Hope. With it, anything is possible. Without it, anything is possible. Why do I say that? The very first Easter Sunday, it doesn't start filled with hope, does it? There's no anticipation of, of what God was doing. In Luke 24.1, we read this, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Spices. The spices they had prepared were for a dead body. This was the custom to come and wrap the body, and then embalm it with these spices. This preparation was never filled with hope. It was filled with grief and mourning. But that Sunday, it wasn't like any ordinary Sunday. And the response, it's so interesting to how they responded because when things are dark and hope is lost, when life is not the way it should be, we can read in Luke 24, 2-4 this, and when they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, there was a behold moment for them. There was an angel that said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? The tomb was where it should be. But the stone and the body were not. The story shows this connection between perplexed and beholding. Like we've talked about before, what you behold is what you become. And especially when things are dark, when hope seems lost, when life is not the way it should be, when your expectations no longer match the reality of the moment. If we pause and we think of our lives and how they've gone, we can definitely see that, how our expectations and the reality of moments in our lives did not match. The question then becomes, are you living on the right side of the resurrection. Since this Sunday wasn't any ordinary Sunday, the angel asks the perplexed women that question at the tomb. Who do you seek? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Are you living on the right side of the resurrection is the question. Are you without hope thinking that it's all dead and done? Or are you on the other side where Christ is risen? You see, our faith connects like that chain link fence with all the links. It goes all the way back to those early first followers of Jesus. But this Sunday is where we anchor our hope. 
Because if this Sunday was just like all the other Sundays, if this Sunday went just as they expected, if this Sunday had no perplexity to it and no wonder, then the Christian faith is both powerless and meaningless. Tim Keller says it this way, Christ's resurrection not only gives you hope for the future, it gives you hope to handle your scars right now. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't die from, rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Before we have hope, Jesus has to touch our hearts. On Good Friday, still have the rock up here. We mentioned how our hearts are hard like rocks. Jesus has to touch our hearts and soften them. Some of our hearts are really hard. Others are really wounded. This is also why Sunday is not written in some fairy tale language or in a way that would be easily believed. The message of the resurrection of Jesus, which is the foundation of our Christian faith, was first entrusted to women who then preached the word to men. In Luke 24:11, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. So the women had seen that the Christ had been risen, and they go back to tell the rest of the disciples, and they just didn't believe them. In this culture, never would they have entrusted the story to be first told by women. And yet Jesus does things a different way, doesn't he? When hope died, their hope was crushed. But if the story is not yet good, then God is not yet done. God was doing something again. He was doing something new. And you might be here today and are struggling with doubt. You may be here today and you don't believe. Or you're here today and you've been so wounded by his followers or by life that you can't see Jesus clearly. Did you know that you're not alone? All of those elements, all of people who have those exact same things are found in the resurrection story. Each of us can choose to stay stuck in doubt, in unbelief, and even genuinely wounded. Or we can run. In Luke 24, 11 to 12, but Peter rose and he ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. Hope, rooted in the resurrected Jesus, alone has the power to turn doubt, unbelief, wounding, personal misery, perplexity into marveling. Why? Because the work of the cross of Jesus pays the penalty for sin. Because of the cross, we are free from the debt of sin, healed by our, of our brokenness. It is covered by his death in our place. 
That isn't the fulfillment of what Jesus has done. The resurrection of Jesus gives us victory over sin. The cross may be a symbol of being saved for us, but it is not the full story. Without a resurrection, a living Savior, there's no one at the right hand of God to present the sacrifice. There's no one for us to be alive in so we can approach God. And that is what true freedom looks like, access and communion with God. For Peter, because Jesus died and is also alive, his final moment is in, in following Jesus is no longer failure. It is forgiveness. The rooster's accusing crow no longer condemns him. Jesus' call confirms him. His hope is no longer rooted in what Jesus said about him, that, they would be, that he would betray No, his hope is now rooted in what Jesus can do for him, which is redeem every inch of his life. Good Friday is the joy of sin forgiven. But Easter Sunday is the the hope of sin conquered. Easter Sunday is the story of two simultaneous realities. It is the story of what happens when hope dies and how a king conquers death. Only one king courageously laid down his life and also rose again to conquer sin, Satan, death, hell, and the grave. The Christian hope is not an idle hope, not an idle tale. It's not trusting in a fairy tale. One pastor spoke of this hope this way. In Life Center, I think this hope, I think what he says is true. Hope is not an evacuation plan, just getting by until God comes to bring us home. It's not an explanation. Well, if it doesn't make sense now, you know, it'll make sense one day when God explains it. It's not a compensation plan. Whereas if you've been robbed of it now, don't worry, God will make up for it later. It's not a denial. It's not this fake it till you make it, confess it, and manifest it into being. That's not what it is. What makes the Easter story is it contains all the things which break our hearts and cause us to lose hope. All the brokenness of humanity, betrayal, loss, injustice, pain, wounds, confusion, disappointment, and hope deferred. But that isn't the end of the story, which is what gives us hope and makes this Sunday a celebration unlike any other Sunday or any other day. Betrayal's purpose is redeemed. Pain fulfills a promise. His wounds heal ours. Confusion gives way to clarity. Disappointment bows to destiny. Hope deferred becomes hope realized, all because Jesus rose from the dead. How do we know this to be true? The same God who is faithful to bring Israel into a land of promise, the same God who was faithful to send humanity his son, the same God who promised both death and resurrection is the same God who promises 
to one day make all things new. So one could keep leaning into tired stories and putting their faith in fallen heroes, but not me. Ultimately, my hope isn't in a fallen Savior, isn't in a fallen Jesus. My hope is anchored in Christ who was resurrected. The Bible says, and my hope is this, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall COVID, self-vaccinations, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or politics, or the sword? For as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's take heart. Let's have hope. And with our hearts and hope rooted in Jesus, anything is still possible. Are you tired of the story of sin personally in this city of Cornwall, globally affecting so much? Hope lies in the victory Jesus has over sin. Forgiveness may be simple, but it isn't cheap cost the cross. And meanwhile, we're like the prodigal son, stumbling and crawling, still covered in the stench of our brokenness of sin. And with conflicting motives, our apology, the sounds rehearsed, we approach God. Father, I've sinned. Before we can say anything more of our brokenness, he embraces us so tightly, our breath escapes. We find ourselves being restored. And it was never in how we confessed, but that we came home to him. There is hope. It doesn't matter where we're coming from, what we've done. As a pastor once said, God has more grace in him than we have sin in us. God never tires of forgiving us. We tire of asking for forgiveness. There is hope. We cannot be too bad or too broken for God. There is hope. We come and ask. We take one step towards God, and he comes running. We choke out our apology, and he embraces and quiets our soul. There is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you living on the right side of the resurrection? Are you looking for life in dead things? Are you looking at the things around that this culture has to offer you and hoping that it is going to have the answers you need to living a happy and fulfilled life? If so, you're looking for life in dead things. If you're here today, know that God loves you. 
Your story may be, may be one of brokenness, but God loves you. We love you. We want to live out a better story, a story that only this Sunday makes possible. Let me pray with me. God, we thank you. We thank you that this day exists, that you just didn't share a message of how to live a good life, five steps to an easier way through life. God, you gave everything for us so that we could be whole again, that the brokenness inside of us our desires to keep going our own way that continually leads to death and destruction in our lives, you made a better way. And God, I pray for anyone and all here, whether in person or online, if they have yet to decide to follow you, to put their trust in you, I pray that they would take one step towards you today and realize that you're coming running to them to say, I love you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Come and follow me. In all your brokenness, in all your missteps along the way, come and follow me. May we rest and be secure, just as Peter wondered in amazement after he betrayed you after he said he didn't even know you and then found himself redeemed by you and called by you. May we be able to find ourselves in that story and know that no matter what we've done, how far we've strayed, how much our hope has been broken and lost, we can find it renewed in you today. We thank you for the cross we thank you more for the empty tomb that you sit on the throne beside your father ready to welcome us into relationship with you thank you jesus amen